I'm Emma, founder of Personal Development Time and host of the Pick Me Up podcast. The perfect go-to for a quick but effective pick-me-up at the times when you need it the most. Designed for mums with their needs in mind. I am delighted to welcome you back to season two and thank you all for your support and for being here. In season one, my aim was to provide you with super quick, short and easily accessible episodes that you could listen to when you most needed it. So please, mummies, keep referring back to those when you need that pick-me-up throughout the day. In season two, it felt really important to me to expand on this a little further. So whilst they aren't quite as short, they will be covering all of the topics that as mums, we feel we need to talk about, but often feel like we can't. So the theme for season two is all about keeping it real. Something that you will all know I feel extremely passionate about when it comes to being a mum. New episodes are released every Wednesday. I look forward to sharing them with you. And please feel free to leave a review at the end too. So make sure that you subscribe to be notified when they are released. Enjoy and thanks for listening. In today's episode, I am joined by the wonderful and incredibly knowledgeable Esther Stubbs. She is a specialist sports injury and women's health physiotherapist and the founder of Pelvic Power Movement. I asked Esther to join me today to discuss everything around our pelvic floor once we've had a baby. I definitely know, having been there myself, it is something that we hear about but don't necessarily know enough about and we certainly don't tend to do enough about it. Now, with over 15 years of experience in this field, she has helped countless women recover control of their bodies. This year alone, she has won two awards, one for the most pioneering women's health physio practice and another for Physiotherapist of the Year 2021. She is known as the straight-talking, no-nonsense physiotherapist who is not afraid to broach taboo subjects. Her mission is to create global awareness of the magnitude of this problem and provide solutions to these issues. So I hope you get so much from the episode. It's definitely what I've intended to put it there for. So sit back, relax, enjoy and come out of it with confidence knowing that you are not alone. Hi Esther, so thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited to cover this topic with you because I think when we talk about, when we mention pelvic floor, you know, having had two babies now, um, you know, it's something that you that you hear about um, a little bit throughout pregnancy, but definitely, uh, you know, from a health visitor um, or the midwives, I, I, I definitely heard a lot about it, you know, second um, birth. Uh, and I think whilst it's something that we hear about, it's not necessarily something that I feel like we talk about enough. I don't know whether that's a contradiction in itself, but um, I feel like amongst us, we don't necessarily talk about it enough and don't talk about the issues either. Um, so I'm hoping that, I say I'm hoping, I'm knowing that what you're going to do amazingly today is cover some basic topics around um, 
the pelvic floor and addressing any potential issues that we may have, answering some questions that I am positive that my listeners are going to um, have, and then direct people to where they can go if they feel like they need any further support. So thanks for being here. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to helping your listeners in any way I can, really. Well, I know, I absolutely know that you will. So um, thank you. Let's get started, shall we? Um, I feel like a really good place to start is to just, for you to give us from your professional um, background, but obviously in layman's terms, which I know you do really well being part of your Facebook group, I've seen that. Um, Can you explain to us a little bit around the pelvic floor first so we've got an understanding um because it is thrown at us but i don't think necessarily we i don't think we're necessarily given the best understanding of it so yeah sure. what is it what happens during pregnancy and then when we give birth <laughs> okay so the pelvic floor essentially is um a group of muscles that sit in the base of your pelvis like a bowl and it's made up of lots of layers And this intricate system of muscles basically sustains any impact that we um, put through our body. So if you think about walking or running or jumping, you think about the load of your spine, your body, all has to go through the pelvic floor essentially, absorbs a lot of that impact and shock each time we move. Every time we breathe, we inflate our abdomen, that pelvic floor has to react to that. So it's really undervalued until something goes wrong. It's integral by the sounds of it. (laughs) It is. I, I like to call it the seat of our power. And it really is so integral to a female because it's where we give birth. It's where we, you know, house our children that we grow in our stomach. It is Everything feminine about us is really our pelvic floor. This this is what makes us women. And we spend so little time and attention on it that when it suddenly goes wrong after childbirth, and I'll explain how and why, um, we're a bit lost at what to do because we suddenly realise how integral it is to our stability, our strength, our emotions, and into making us feel whole and and that's why we struggle then then to heal so what exactly does happen during pregnancy so effectively as the baby grows in the uterus more and more pressure builds up on the pelvic floor hormones are surging around our body and Everything is stretching. The tissues are stretching. The fascia is stretching. The muscles are stretching. So by the time we get to nine months, hopefully everything is pretty supple and ready to go. But then we still have to get the baby through the canal. So what happens as the baby comes through the canal? If we have a quite a nice long labour, I know that sounds horrific, a nice long labour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does for the individual but actually for the body it's more beneficial because then your body gets time to prepare you know your body gets time to allow those muscles to relax and stretch when we happen to have a really quick and rushed labor which often happens like in pregnancies two and three once your body's already done it once the body doesn't actually get that time to really open that cervix and prepare for the birth 
So sometimes we can get more trauma during those periods. And so as the baby comes through, if we're not fully relaxed, and let's face it, when you're in extreme pain, who is fully relaxed? (laughs) I know I wasn't. I was screaming the house down and wishing that I'd never got pregnant in the first place. I think many can relate. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But sadly, what happens is we cause a lot of trauma to the area. You're trying to push a watermelon through a very small hole. We get tears. Sometimes we um, are cut, like an episiotomy. Some people might have forceps or vontus. And just over the period of time, we get a lot of tissue damage. Um, And for some people, that tissue damage doesn't actually resolve. So they are left maybe with a prolapse. Their pelvic floor is left very weak. So maybe they develop some incontinence issues. Um, And especially initially, our bodies are very swollen, aren't they, after birth? You're not really sure what is going on down there. And you're just so exhausted, you're not really paying attention to um, anything the doctors or nurses are telling you. And, and, you know, in England, I know when I gave birth, I was given a leaflet. It doesn't really stress the importance of how important and vital your pelvic floor is and the attention that it needs. I know in places like France, they get six weeks of physiotherapy after childbirth. Sadly, if, if you manage, especially in COVID, to get a six-week check, you're probably pretty lucky at the moment so and so that's I was going to say generally even the check you know going back to my first baby a lot of it's very much focused around making sure the baby is okay and mm. there's not as much touched on really it's kind of it said quite blasé I found you know oh yeah you're doing a pelvic floor aren't you and yeah yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and and they're really there they're what they're checking for is that say if you had any stitches that they're healing you're not still bleeding you're managing with your baby you're active that you're not bed bound or you're not you know completely incontinent or you're not you know heading down that route of depression that they're, they're not really paying much attention to the state of your pelvic floor yeah and and how competent and confident you are with that healing process i suppose that they also have a lot to get through in about 10 minutes exactly yeah totally god yeah and they, and they do amazing at what they do so yes it's not taken away from that at all but i guess that's where you know people like yourself then come in so it's it's the next level isn't it so you know you've really stressed the importance of the pelvic floor being such an integral part of us um so i guess that then highlights why it's so important for us to connect them with that pelvic floor isn't it so actually sit here and think yeah do you know what actually i need to give this the time the energy um that it deserves and needs as well Uh, and i think that where you've said connecting with your pelvic floor is so pertinent because i think like we said we take our pelvic floor for granted until it goes wrong which is is a real tragedy because if the education was there as we're growing up and if as much attention was given to the female anatomy and pelvic floor as it is given to the male organs then women would have a much better connection with their pelvic floor i often make this joke but men could pick their penis out in a lineup i know majority of women probably wouldn't know which one was theirs you know which vagina was theirs they because they probably haven't looked yeah and and that is sad because what happens is when you have this kind of trauma then 
you're not sure what it looked like before. So you're like, yeah. is is it right? Is it is it the same as before? Did it look like that? Am I imagining something? So you're then getting into this dialect with yourself of questioning yourself. And women are very good at that, aren't they? Self-deprecating, self-questioning, being unsure, self-guessing themselves. So they're like, well, well, maybe it was like that. Maybe it's fine. Maybe I'm just overreacting or it's nothing. Nobody else seems to be complaining. So they just then carry on and they see all these adverts for Tenor Lady and they're like, oh, well, my symptoms must be normal then. You know, if if they're advertising Tenor Lady for new new mothers on TV, well, then, you know, I shouldn't really be worried. And And I think if we were more connected with our pelvic floor, then we would have a better idea of what was normal and how it should feel. And then when we're trying to activate and heal it, we have a better idea of, of what we're trying to return to. That's great. That is really great. And I guess what you're going to go through today is going to help us initiate that connection. Would that be right in saying? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and ultimately, you know, we, we can't change where we've come from now, but we've got the opportunity to start to connect, even if we have had a baby, which, you know, this, this is who the podcast is for. You know, you've been through pregnancy, you've had your baby, and well, now's the chance actually to, to make a change. And then ultimately setting the way for, for future generations then, isn't it? You know, the way that I will talk to my daughter will then be different because of my learning and my understanding. Mm. So, absolutely, you know, it, that's, that's invaluable, isn't it, I think? so. And I think that is where we have to get to, isn't it? That we yes. realise that. We wish that things had been different when we had um, been younger. And I know that if I could go back in time, I would have paid more attention. <laughs> yeah. And and we can't do that. But yeah, like you said, connecting is so important. And a lot of what I teach actually is connecting physically, mentally and emotionally with your pelvic floor. And we had a fantastic testimonial this week from a woman who had actually seen 16 other physios and she'd been bed bound for four years. And she came and did my um, Kegel. I run a five-day free Kegel workshop. A Kegel is a type of pelvic floor exercise. I'm sure we'll get onto that later. But she she did my workshop. And since doing it in six weeks, she is now walking to the toilet. She is now able to pass. She said that she her urine wasn't uh, single flow. It was spraying everywhere. She was defecating herself. And now she um, is able to take herself to the toilet and and is mobile so that's a phenomenal wow. change in six weeks and I and she said because I'd helped her connect get that brain pelvic floor connection and actually get it working again which you know all these other physios hadn't managed to do so that was a, a phenomenal I was so overwhelmed it was amazing that's incredible wow and well done to you for, for doing that you know that's that's just amazing and life-changing for her and I guess that's that's sort of like one extreme but mm. at the same time it's we never know what's going to happen do we down down the line mm-hmm. um so ultimately you know we want to get to this point where we're as strong as we can be now to help us with whatever may come you know if Absolutely. you're going to be hitting menopause and you know that that is affected in that way and you know I think it's just about getting to the point where we're doing something about it before 
before we have to because there's issues showing I guess um but I know there will be people listening that you know are experiencing um some kind of symptoms which obviously we will we are going to touch on and you um you touched on this a minute ago really nicely it leads me into it great in, in terms of what is normal for us to experience postpartum because obviously you know like you said you, you see these adverts on the tv and you think oh well okay yeah that's all right that's just how life is or you know people say to me, i've had family members say oh yeah well i'm never going to jump on a trampoline again you know that's just i've had two kids and it's almost like people think that if it's leaking or there's incontinence or you know even worse than that that that's just what happens so I guess Mm. what I want to to hear from you is what is normal for us to experience and at what point should we seek some kind of help or advice okay so uh, immediately after you have your baby um it's normal to experience some weakness swelling discomfort um you may feeling feeling a a bit more heavy you may even feel some prolapse symptoms because everything has been pushed down there so but you know you may feel some of um some extra tissue at the entrance of your vagina but as your swelling starts to subside and your body starts to recover after the six week mark a lot of that should have um you know reduced so especially the swelling the scar tissue should start to heal um, and obviously you want to start doing your pelvic floor exercises immediately after giving birth. I know it is sore, but by activating those muscles, you're drawing flesh, fresh blood to that area. You're encouraging the wound tissue to heal and you're really starting to activate those muscles and get them healing. And the quicker we do this, the quicker and the more successful the healing process will be. If at say 12 weeks, you're noticing that you're still not particularly comfortable, you may still be experiencing some incontinence. At this point, I would start to go to your GP and and explain your symptoms because what you don't want is for the weakness to continue um, and then you're still in this position a year, two years down the line. If you can get some early advice, some early input, you're in a much better position to recover quickly. And that's what we want because... In those first 18 months post-birth, our body is still um, hormonal. And it does take a long time, a bit longer to to recover because of that. And especially if we're breastfeeding, um, our estrogen levels are lower. And that can have an effect on the elasticity of the tissue. So it's just good to get some feedback from a, a medical health professional. But an interesting statistic is that 75% of women who have stress incontinence and stress incontinence is that incontinence, urine incontinence experienced by coughing, sneezing, jumping on a trampoline, running. So anything that pushes pressure on your bladder and you can't hold your urine, 75% of people can resolve their symptoms with a simple physiotherapy course, which is a phenomenal amount. Yeah, phenomenal. So there are millions of women in the United Kingdom who are not seeking help that potentially could recover. And the earlier, because you touched on this briefly, once we get to menopause, 
it then becomes much more difficult because our estrogen levels are really depleted at that point and we're losing elasticity and collagen in our tissue it's more difficult to build muscle so once we get to that point it's going to be twice if not three times hard to recover and rebuild our our bodies so the sooner you can get to do it the more effective you'll be amazing that's that's great and what what a statistic Mm, amazing so what i feel like i really want to also touch on you know whilst we're talking about this is the fact that it's it's i want to say normal but i don't know whether that's the right word but it's it's really common that's what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. um for people to experience these issues isn't it and you know we we briefly spoke before starting recording that we we don't often use the language you know like you said you wouldn't have said vagina before going into this um work and now you know you say god knows how many times a day and actually you know it's not a dirty word it's not a word we shouldn't say it's not a word we you know shouldn't use to our children for example um yet there's still such a it's it's almost a bit of a taboo isn't it and you don't mm-hmm. really talk about any problems that you're experiencing so I what I really wanted to hear from you was just how normal this is so if there's people that are listening thinking oh god yeah I've got I'm experiencing some symptoms but I just I'm too embarrassed to share them mm-hmm. um you know obviously from your amazing work that you've done and being part of your Facebook group I see it but can you just share a little bit of that so anybody listening can get some comfort from it and a bit of confidence to to talk about it and do something about it absolutely i mean you're right it still is a very much taboo subject which i find unbelievable considering so many women i think the statistic in fact is like two out of three women will experience some incontinence in their life in the uk wow and i think 50 percent of women will experience some kind of prolapse symptom which is their phenomenal numbers phenomenal statistics huge (laughs) yeah which which is the reason that i i created that facebook community the pelvic power movement community just because i felt like all these women out there were alone thinking they were the only ones out there having this problem and suddenly by creating i mean we're nearly two and a half thousand people in there now and the amount of sharing that goes on in this group is phenomenal and and it makes me so happy to see other women come in share their issues and the community is so positive and supportive and and so many people have said thank god i can talk about it and not feel embarrassed i'm not shy and know that everybody in that community is going through what i am going through and I, i'm not alone anymore and i think you know just being able to talk about things normalizes it definitely absolutely and those statistics you know hopefully Mm. help anybody feeling like they you know they are embarrassed by it or can't talk about it to help them to see actually you know you are part of the masses actually by the sounds of it you know it is completely normal um and there's so many other people going through it as well i mean if you think about male we all know about prostates don't we i mean who, who doesn't know about prostate but you know how many men actually really understand about prolapse you know my poor husband and children obviously know a lot about prolapses (laughs) (laughs) but you know I think I think 
when it's a male issue where everybody's very vocal and involved and educated, but females tend to, you know, they're a little bit martyrish. They like to covet their problems. You know, they don't really want to, they don't want to feel unsexy or undesirable. A man doesn't think about that when he's talking about his prostate, does he? You know, it's not on his mind. But, you know, a, a female seems to be more concerned about taboo subjects and less, you know, I was talking to a, a mother the other day and she was saying that she does, doesn't does talk about periods to her, her sons. I was like, why? You know, it's so important. You know, he's going to get married. He's going to have a wife and children. I think it's an essential education for them to experience. Hugely. And this is exactly what you're doing, you know, and your passion comes across. And I think, you know, it's it what you're the, the the change that you're making is not just our awareness, but for future generations as well, which is just incredibly important. Um, and I feel that even more so now, you know, having got two children myself um, mm. and having never really spoken about things. You know, I remember being handed a book really about um, sex and, you know a male and a female and our bodies and mm. that was it that was my book <laughs> get on with <laughs> it <laughs> you know but yeah so I think um it, it's incredibly important so thank you for, for for doing this um so if we if we take it back to a a mum who has has had a baby and is starting to feel like she she wants to to do something um you know get back into some kind of exercise i feel coming from a um an exercise professional background myself i'm always always advocating to clients the importance of taking things slowly and doing things right and i always explain it you know in terms of when you're building a house you've got to build the the correct tr- proper foundations in order you know for for the house Mm. to 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 be good um and i think yeah it's really important to take things slowly but i think there is so much pressure isn't there for a woman to um to bounce back you know this kind of bouncing back from having a baby and getting your your pre-baby body back and i think it really makes people jump into some kind of exercises doesn't it like going and doing a run of like you have couch to 5k or going mm-hmm. and doing some kind of boot camps or high intensity stuff that you that you see advertised um is that the right way to go about it or should we actually be be taking a slightly different approach and being patient with it i guess <laughs> i think I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a lot of pressure to bounce back into your pre-baby body. Um, and sadly, the the reality is you will never be the same. It You know, things will, even you look at the celebrities who have their fitness trainers and their dietitians and they're back in their lycra a couple of weeks later, their bodies are still never the same underneath. Um, and luckily for them, they, they do have professional help so that they are exercising hopefully in the best form but I think it is really important to take things slowly when you're getting back to any form of exercise you want to make sure that your body is properly prepared because when it isn't and maybe as you said we 
jump back into running or a lot of people are doing these um bouncy classes on this mini trampoline yes um and i have had a lot of um patients come to me after these bouncing classes just because their bodies aren't aren't ready for that kind of activity you know like i said before it takes at least 18 months for those hormones to fully leave your body and that's if you're not breastfeeding so even longer if you are and everything is just sensitive i suppose to put it back like that it's much more easy to damage something in those earlier days you know we still have relaxing hormone so you need to be careful of doing very um activities such as maybe like squash where we're turning very quickly because the joints just aren't able to handle that kind of torsion initially so there was recently a a document um, created by a physiotherapist which is available on the nhs about return to exercise and it really goes through how Um, We should be looking at the different stages of exercise and giving guidance to mothers. So, you know, start with something gentle like walking and swimming and, you know, seek. A lot of women have um, what's called abdominal separation because of as the um, belly grows, the muscles, the fascia between the two sets of muscles on the um, abdomen part. And a lot of women who go back to doing crunches and sit-ups very early on can actually cause themselves hernias and, and can make this worse. You know, what we need is some some active guidance to help people get back. But if you're taking things slowly, like swimming and walking and some slow strength training, and, and just take it easy, make sure your body is prepared for the next stage, you know, Make sure you've been doing each activity for a few weeks before you then up it and, you know, start to go out for a run or start to do a hit class or go back to CrossFit, for example. Um, just try and listen. I think people have stopped listening to their bodies. They, um, you know, they have a goal and they, you know, I want to lose two stone but in six weeks or I need to work out six times a week to get fit and then they fail to actually listen to what their body is uh, telling them and I think as well as you know having been there myself you know I was very fit and active prior to having children and I mean I had two children within the space of 18 months so um <laughs> my body wow. was definitely not yeah. recovered <laughs> um it was only nine months where I wasn't pregnant and you know sec- and I obviously didn't really have much time to do anything after having my um first and then being mm. pregnant again and the pregnancy hormones plus the lack of sleep and and running around after a toddler then you know has made second time around feel even more challenging um and I definitely have this pull to want to get back to where I was before Mm. even though I've got a lot of the professional knowledge to say well hang on a minute you know you need to go about this properly but I think that's it isn't it it's it's respecting our bodies in terms of what they've been through you know it we I think we have nine months of being pregnant we give birth and we have to just then almost you know crack on look after the baby and get on with that Mm -hmm. that we can almost lose sight of of the huge 
work that our body has put in to grow this human and to, to get it here physically into this world and actually if you can take I feel like if you can take a step back and actually respect your body for that there's not so much of a urgency to think oh so now I've got to be putting it through its paces to get it back to where I was it's actually a case of let me nurture the, mm-hmm. my body now which I think is as mums especially we're not so good at that are we that whole self-care element for us you know we can nurture everybody else um all day long but it's it I guess it's taking that time isn't it to say let me do this properly and let me really care for my body yeah I think you're right and I think there's so many factors like you say like lack of sleep are you taking the time to make sure you're um eating properly you know, because a baby drains, you know, you've created a baby that's drained so many of the nutrients from your bodies, from your tissues, from your bones even. Um, and then you're starting to try and build muscle, but your body needs to recover first. You know, you need to have good foundations to start to then build on. Otherwise, what we can get is, you know, massive fatigue and that can lead to injuries. I mean, I always make the point of, you know, if you, our bodies like you said, went through nine months of pregnancy and then the trauma of childbirth. If, if we injured another part of our body, we'd go and seek medical attention and help. Um, we wouldn't break our leg and then be like, oh, I can handle this, no problem. I'll, I can get myself better. But after a, a baby and after that trauma, women seem to feel that they don't need any help and that they can just uh, recover on their own. And And that's where we get into trouble sometimes because... They need a little bit of support and a bit of guidance to get their muscles strong again, get their bodies recovered. And and like you say, we tend to put ourselves last and not really give ourselves the time or the self-care that we they need to recover. Definitely. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, oh, Lord, OK, so I've just been going back running or I've, you know, gone back to a hit class or whatever, um, and I shouldn't have like what do I do now if there's this bit of a state of panic maybe you know of how they've gone about doing things what would you suggest would it be a case of don't worry bring it back and then follow the advice that you've just given or to could they have caused damage should they look at getting checked I'd say if they're asymptomatic if they're young and asymptomatic then then I would say look at doing starting to do their pelvic floor exercises make sure they're doing it regularly which is three times a day um, ideally making sure that they feel secure and confident that their pelvic floor is supporting them when they're running um, and doing the activities that they want if they're not symptomatic then I wouldn't I wouldn't want anybody to panic I don't think it's necessary I just think it is necessary to check in with yourself sort of connect to your pelvic floor and make sure that you're not exercising I always say don't exercise your core at the detriment of your pelvic floor um you know just make sure you you are connecting that you're in touch that it's working that you can actively contract and relax it when you want to um and that it's functional and if you're asymptomatic, then then I wouldn't worry. It's just if you've gone back to exercise and you are symptomatic, then I would take a step back and I would um, 
consult i would start to do your pelvic floor if you feel confident and you and you know how to do those exercises and if you don't then go and get checked out because it's better to have a great pelvic floor contraction than be doing your pelvic floor exercises incorrectly then getting frustrated 12 weeks later because nothing's happening and you're not making any progress and that's where people end up down the rabbit hole of googling into the night getting worried that something's gone wrong when a simple you know half an hour appointment with a physio would see them right and and get them on their way so i think it is just sort of looking at the individual and and seeing where they where they are whether they are symptomatic or not and whether they feel confident with with their pelvic floor exercises that's great so i guess that's where someone starts isn't it you know we so the reality is we are told, and I remember being told as my second, you know, by the midwife, make sure you're doing a power floor. If you're not doing it, I'm going to be seeing you back here later down the line. And you know, it's really important. Three times a day, but do this, do this. I literally had my new baby in my arms. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> but I mean, oh my goodness, there's lots going on. And then of course, getting home, it's the last thing that you think about. Um, yeah. But is it as simple as somebody just starting with the basic pelvic floor exercises? It, it, it really is just that simple to start with. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be variables. But unless we start, there always, always has to be a start point. So if you can fully contract and fully relax your pelvic floor, you're onto a winner. It, if you're struggling with that then you know that there's some kind of issue now it it may not be weakness it could be tight pelvic floor um it could be a lack of brain pelvic floor connection whereas it's working functionally but actively you're struggling to contract it on demand um but until you actually sit down and try and and try and do these pelvic floor exercises you're not really going to have an idea of where you are and where to start and i guess it's the time frame isn't it somebody allowing or is it is just should somebody allow a certain amount of time to see if there is an improvement from the exercises that they're doing and if there's not that's where they should seek help and that's where extra work is needed beyond those those regular ones yeah absolutely i mean we would say that 12 weeks um, is a good time frame to see a significant improvement in your pelvic floor strength. If you are doing them three to six times a day, which is what is research recommends in order to make a significant muscular change in those muscles. So that is quite a commitment. You know, six, yeah. times, six times a day is a big commitment. I would definitely recommend setting an alarm if you're serious and committed to this activity um, because it's very difficult to integrate it into your everyday um, lifestyle. But yes, you, you need to, you know, if you just like going to the gym or dieting, if you do it now and again, you're just not going to see the results that you're looking for. Um which is which is why I run actually the Leak No More course, which is a 12-week course in which we go through educationally and information and all the exercises and how to integrate them into your everyday life 
so that by the end of the 12 weeks, people have everything that they need, the tools they need, the confidence, and they've actually seen a significant dem um, significant impact and change in their musculature. Because up until that point, um, I can tell them everything that they need to know, but if they don't implement it, then we're not going to see any results. Absolutely. And and that's it, isn't it? It's finding a way to bring it into your everyday life because mm. three to six times is is a commitment. But actually, if you can work out where that can become routine, I remember um, thinking to myself, I'm going to try and do it like when I feed the baby, for example, you know, mm -hmm. that's a good time. Just so you're trying at least to, to find some some yeah. kind of structured time there so that's a really really good point um absolutely so um are, i mean wow you, you touched on um the, the other side of things you know we think often that the pelvic floor maybe isn't strong enough but actually there's a possibility of it being too too tense right and that's yeah. called hypertonic pelvic floor which you don't is you don't really hear about do you? you just always you know when you talk when somebody talks about pelvic floor you know after having a baby it's always you've got to make sure you strengthen it but actually could you talk to us about how we might know that that's not the case yeah absolutely i mean the interesting thing about so, so hypertonic pelvic floor is is when you have a tight pelvic floor and whereas you might think that that would mean that your pelvic floor is actually strong it is what it means is it's just basically contracted so it still can be weak and tight um and the problem with hypertonic pelvic floor is you struggle to relax which means that it's very difficult to strengthen or or become functional because if you can't relax if you think about your bicep constantly contracted your arms constantly bent you know you need a muscle to completely relax and contract to be working so um it's also fatiguing because it's constantly tight and also it has a reduced blood supply so and oxygen so that you know that you get a buildup of lactic acid in there it can be very um sore painful aching um it can cause constipation problems with sexual intercourse so it can cause a whole myriad of um additional symptoms which um you know can obviously be very distressing for the for the individual and it can mask itself even as like lower back pain hip pain so women can think that you know they've maybe got a back problem or maybe some some you know very heavy periods or something like that but um, and pain from there but actually it's coming from the overtight pelvic floor area so if people are experiencing any of those symptoms and then I would definitely recommend going to see a physiotherapist. There are lots of techniques, um, breathing, stretching. We even do manual techniques. Um, I teach a lot of meditations and yoga for stretching the pelvic floor. But it's really important because you don't want to be trying to contract an already overly tight pelvic floor. That's only going to make uh, irritate symptoms and make them worse. Wow. That's really interesting. And I think a lot of people listening would be like, I haven't even heard of that before. So thank you for bringing some awareness to that. Um, so can you overdo pelvic floor exercises? Y yes, yes, you I suppose you could. I mean, I think it would be pretty hard to overdo pelvic floor exercises, but 
people can be very zealous. I, I know, having said that, I actually invested um, a few years ago in the LV, which is like a biofeedback device. And, um, and, and it's attached to a game. So as you squeeze, you can see the ball of the game move and you become so engrossed in what you're doing. I actually caused myself to spasm because I, you know, I had spent too long and too, you know, was too overzealous. So, yes, it is <laughs> definitely possible. I did recommend my clients didn't. <laughs> did take it easy after that. <laughs> they thought that was quite comical. But, um, yeah, so you can obviously, it's a, a muscle like everything else. Um, and if you fatigue it too much and you work too hard, you're going to get um, lactic acid buildup. You're going to get fatigue. I mean, the important thing to know about your pelvic floor, it, it's 70% slow twitch muscle and 30% fast twitch. So 70% of the muscle fibers are working all the time, just constantly providing that support and stability. And then 30% is that fast contraction that we use when we jump, cough or sneeze. So it's really important that when you do your exercises, you mix up the type of exercises so that you're activating both sets of muscles to really get a great functioning pelvic floor. That's great. And it's, it sounds like you know, a lot of what you're saying is actually just listening to your body, having an awareness of your own body. Um, and then that will ultimately tell you where you need to go from there. And that's going to give you the confidence, isn't it, that you know, actually, if you need to seek further support or advice. Yeah. And I think that really is it is women getting back in touch with themselves and and how is it impacting their life? You know, is it having a significant Im impact? Are they worried about are they wearing a pad, you know? every day are they worried about leaving the house um, going somewhere where there might not be a toilet are they worried about having to jog after their toddler um, are they what I call just in case peeing which is peeing every time they think they might not get to pee for a half an hour an hour of going to the shop answering a phone call going into a meeting all these types of changes in behavior that they probably never did before if they if they're noticing these these changes then then that's an indication that maybe that they need to get some advice, um, go and see somebody because there are lots of small snippets of information that can make a massive difference um, and help them overcome those those habitual changes and issues that they're having. Of which you shared so much already tonight. And I know there's even more um, that people can access um, via the support that you've created which is amazing so we've touched on the facebook group which is a pelvic power movement community so um i'm sure you're going to get a few more people joining that now off, off the back of this and i you've recently just last week wasn't it you did a pelvic health workshop didn't you um that you made available to people for the whole week um am i right in thinking that that's that's available as a guide on the community is it uh yeah that will be available for another week on the community um and it was off the back of we're launching a a membership for women who really want to access sort of medical information so webinars have access to health professionals exercise exercise classes that are 
specific for women with incontinence or prolapse, just to help them on their pelvic healing journey. It's so difficult in this topic to find the healthcare that they need, the information that they need. Um, so I wanted to sort of bring together a, a community where women could access what what they needed. So we brought to brought that um, together in the community now. Um, there is also a Kegel workshop. So if anybody is struggling to do their pelvic health exercises, there's a five-day Kegel free workshop, which is on there permanently. So I would encourage them to come on, have a go. Um, I teach um, very different Kegel exercises to they've probably done before. And, and many people have found it a great way to get that brain pelvic floor connection that's brilliant i love that and there's so there having been on there there is so much available to people and like you said actually there's a real positivity about the group isn't it it's not just a it's not a, a woe is me and a dwelling and a negativity kind of vibe there is just a real open honest uplifting feel about the community so i think that's that says a lot it's not just the professional you know knowledge that people are going to get it's also that support that we just reach we, we, we're searching for as mums aren't we um it's crazy mm -hmm. I think it, we are all in the same boat yet you can feel incredibly lonely can't you as a mum and some of the issues that we face um so I think it's great that you actually you've pulled people together to say you're not alone <laughs> and that's that's really what I wanted to get across um from T today from talking to you today um just a little bit of you know general awareness general knowledge for people to listen into and also just that feeling of i'm not alone um that you know it's okay to talk about this um and hopefully give people a little bit of inspiration and motivation to go and do those pelvic floor exercises and if they need to um to to really just seek out any professional help or advice if they need it um so thank you so much for for joining me and sharing your expertise um you do it so wonderfully and i know it's something that you're really passionate about um so thank you oh, you're welcome thank you for having me on i hope people have found it helpful um and we're always open so please do come and find us um the pelvic power movement.com you can find us there there's lots of information blogs free resources and downloads on the website as well so i will i'll share all that information on the notes as well so people can easily access that thank you esther it's been great brilliant thank you so much So I really hope that you've managed to take snippets from today's episode that have allowed you to deal with any pelvic floor issues that you may be having. I would really encourage you all to head over to the Pelvic Power Movement community to take a little look and to be part of that community, something that is so uplifting and to know that you aren't on your own. Sending you love as always. <laughs>